The SEC has tied its conference record with eight teams qualifying for the NCAA tournament in men's basketball. The question is, do they just have a lot of teams in the field, or do they have any teams capable of making a deep run? Welcome into SEC Football Unfiltered, our podcast from the USA Today Network. I'm Blake Topmeyer alongside John Adams, and yes, the podcast is called SEC Football Unfiltered, but being as this is March and March Madness takes center stage, we thought we'd talk a little college basketball today with the SEC having eight qualifiers in the field of 68. John, does that feel a little uncomfortable for you? Are you you all right talking some, some round ball here? Today? No, uh, I can color outside the lines, Blake. Uh, in fact, when you think about it, in some circles, soccer is called football too. So I'm sure somewhere out there, you know, what we know is basketball is also called football. I tell you what, watching some of the SEC games this year, pretty rough and tumble. So sometimes I thought teams needed pads out there. I didn't think it was a, it was a real far reach from football the way some of the teams play. That's interesting, John. And in terms of depth, I feel like the conference is, is, is in good shape. It's maybe it's as good as it's ever been. You look back, you don't have to go too far into the history books to find a time when the SEC was, was qualifying just three or four teams for the NCAA tournament. Most recently in 2016, qualified just three teams for the field that year. And it was around that time that uh, Greg Sankey really wanted to reevaluate the league's approach to basketball, brought in some new personnel at the conference level, uh, showed a commitment to non-conference scheduling and, and sort of ramped up the investment overall to the sport. And that's paid off in terms of numbers of teams into the field where it hasn't paid off. And we talked about this last week a little bit was national championships. The SEC has not produced a national champion in men's basketball since 2012, which was Kentucky's last title. But in terms of qualifiers, it's gotten much better in the last five years. This is the second time during that stretch they've qualified eight teams. How would you assess, I guess, the state of basketball within the SEC? Do you feel like the league is progressing in hoops, or is it just pumping out you know, a handful of more average teams that are barely good enough to get into the field. No, I, I think it's it's genuinely getting better. Um, and, and we see more teams capable of making the tournament. I know there was a strong push for Vanderbilt to make it. Uh, but as so often is the case with Vanderbilt, just when it seems to be blossoming in something, it just unravels as it did against Texas A&M in the SEC tournament. So you could have had you could have had nine teams. Uh, I think it's significant that the SEC had not only does it have a lot of balance, you could say, in the middle of the league, but it also has the number one overall seed in Alabama, and it's hard to deny Alabama that it has the best player in Brandon Miller. It has a versatile team, which is not it's no longer characterized as just a three point shooting team. It can do a lot of things well, so I think that was a that was a fair assessment to have Alabama as the number one overall seed. The one, the big question I have about most of the teams in this league that are in the field, and and I agree that all 
belonged in the NCAA tournament. I'm not sure if there's enough balance with these teams. It's great to have a tremendous defense, but you also got to have a little offense in this tournament. I think balance is is vital to advance to the NCAA tournament. Need really good offense and really good defense. Teams like Auburn and Tennessee and, and Kentucky can really match up and really play tough defense, but I don't know if you can trust any of their offenses. Missouri has a terrific offense. It's defense, which is pretty much based around forcing turnovers, but also creates a lot of easy baskets for the opponent. Uh, I'm not sure if its defense is strong enough. Yeah, it's interesting when you look at the field of qualifiers from the SEC. As you mentioned, Alabama's the number one overall seed. But then the SEC has nobody on the two line, has nobody on the three line. Tennessee is seated fourth, but the Vols are headed in the wrong direction and will be without their point guard, Zakai Ziegler, who suffered a season-ending knee injury earlier this month, and, and they're a team that is, has faded down the stretch. And then you have to go down to Kentucky to find the next highest-seeded team at number six. So my question, John, you know, as much as, you know, I know you like Alabama's at number one overall seed, Brandon Miller, one of the most talented players in the country. How many teams, though, from this conference do you think have a a realistic shot that it would not be completely far-fetched if they were to make it to the Final Four? Not even talking national championship, but how many teams of the eight qualifiers could make it to the Final Four? Oh, I think Alabama's the only one. And and However, I will say that I don't see a lot of super teams in college basketball this season. I mean, so the possibility is there if you hit a hot stretch. But I get back to my original point. Uh, some of these teams that play great defense, to me, don't have enough offense to carry them that far in the NCAA tournament. I think the best the SEC could hope for is Alabama in the Final Four and maybe one other team uh, make it to the Elite Eight. I think that would be the high water mark. We talk about a lot of these teams, and and you know we watch them against other SEC teams. And the, to me, it seems like the commentators really stress what all these teams do well. I mean, they're promoting the league as they should, I guess. So, but again, I just see. I think um, in the tournament more offense is going to be required of a lot of these teams. I'm not sure they can deliver it. Yeah, it was interesting. I mean, Texas A&M was the the number two seeded team in the conference tournament last week, but earned just the number seven seed in the tournament. And they're going to have a tough first round game against Penn State. Penn State, a, a team that comes into this, this event hot. They played in the Big Ten championship game, uh, have a handful of guards that really shoot it well from the perimeter. So although that was the second place team from the conference, I think they're, they're a target to maybe uh, go down via upset in, in round one. I know you're going to see a lot of people picking Tennessee to fall in round one. Rick Barnes historically has struggled in this event, has a losing record in the NCAA tournament. And then you combine the fact that Tennessee is fading. I, I do think they're going to be a, a trendy target, you know, for a highly seeded team that could go down early. Is there a team though, 
John, other than Alabama, that maybe is seated a little bit lower in the pack, you know, whether that be Arkansas is on the eight line, Auburn's at, at number nine, Kentucky at six, that you think if someone could join Alabama and let's say the elite eight, who's the SEC's sleeper to go on a, on a deep run in this tournament? That's a really tough question, Blake, because I see there's potential in all these teams. To me, they're so closely bracketed. I mean, Arkansas can do some things really well. Uh, Texas A&M is tremendous at getting to the foul line, making free throws. Uh, Tennessee, the number one defense in the country. Auburn plays suffocating defense. Missouri can really shoot. Um, So, you know, when I say an Elite Eight team here, and I think, as, as I said, I think that's a high watermark outside Alabama. I just think there are like four or five teams that could do that. Uh, I will say that I, I really like Missouri, and I I could see Missouri doing well in the tournament. So if I got to pick a dark horse, maybe I would pick Missouri because Missouri, to me, plays very loose. It plays uh, – hey, I think a lot of teams get uptight in this tournament. And I don't think Missouri is ever going to be guilty of getting uptight. They just play loose and free. I think we both agree Dennis Gage had been the SEC coach of the year. He just got a huge raise, which I'm sure he would uh, would prefer to a, a coaching honor. But I really like the way that team plays. It's played well against some good teams. It couldn't ha- handle Alabama, no. Didn't match up well against Alabama, but I think it will be a very tough out because the thing about Missouri is when it things aren't going that great for it, when it looks like it might be fading, then it might hit three three pointers in a row. It, it just doesn't go down easy. It's very resilient. So I'm going to pick a dark horse, and part of that I'm prejudiced because I like watching Missouri play. I like the way it plays, so I'll pick Missouri as a dark horse. Yeah, and Kobe Brown, I think, is a, a real matchup problem. He's like six foot eight, but he can score at the rim or score on the perimeter. He's a guy that I think, regardless of who they're playing, is someone difficult to match up with. It's interesting, John, when Missouri came into the conference, I think the belief was that the Tigers would be better positioned to succeed in men's basketball than they would be in football. Uh, of course, I mean, they ne- they've never been to a, a Final Four in men's basketball, but they've been to a handful of Elite Eights. And I think the thought was they're coming from a really good basketball league. The Big 12, you know, at the time was was a strong conference for hoops, still is a strong conference for hoops. And I thought, I think there was the thought that they would come in and, and be one of the better teams in this conference. Well, it's been some dark times for Missouri, really, in basketball since joining the SEC. They had the Kim Anderson era, which was highly forgettable. And then they had the Conzo Martin era, which really wasn't much better. And you look at it, Missouri has not won an NCAA tournament game since 2010. Since joining the SEC, Missouri's never won an NCAA tournament game. That's pretty shocking to me because I still think that's a program that should be year in, year out, one of the better basketball schools in this conference. And to Dennis Gates' credit, He's rejuvenated that program seemingly overnight. I mean, if you remember last year, it was like a morgue in Mizzou Arena. You'd see <laughs> you'd see crowd shots of the game, and 
Uh, I mean, you'd have to have a wide angle lens to get more than about 10 people in the crowd shot. But this year, you know, Mizzou Arena has been packed. It's been, you know, you can tell it's been a, you know, good environment. And, and the fans have certainly responded to their new coach putting a, a good product on the field. But I, what do you think? I mean, do you, do you, do you see this still as a, as a program that ought to be, you know, in the upper echelon of the conference, even though that the results haven't shown it in their time in the SEC? You're right. Historically, it's funny. You mentioned a couple of things. Uh, you mentioned the Kim Anderson era. Honestly, that just came and went. I'd, if you'd ask me who's the coach before Conzo Martin, there is no way I could have answered that question. I'd have probably said Norm Stewart. Or <laughs> seemed like he was there forever. And, and then they just had this uh, revolving door of coaches. But now, I completely forgot about Kim Anderson. And you're so right about the arena. Honestly, I thought there was something wrong with my television set the first time I saw Missouri on, on TV this year. Because I remember watching a lot of games last year. You're right about that arena. It just looked like a few hundred people happened to wander in looking for a place to, you know, rest, uh, rest their legs and uh, sat down there in the arena while a game was going on. Uh, but now when you watch it, it's, it's a completely different environment. And I don't know, I don't know how much promoting he did. I really was very unfamiliar with Dennis Gates. I didn't know what he did in marketing and promoting. I just know when I, the first time I watched Missouri on TV, I thought it was almost as though they, they paid some fans to, to show up it, it, from my recollection in the previous season. So yeah, kudos to him for, for doing a great job there. Um, and you're right. It would be interesting to see Missouri get good in basketball again, make the league even stronger. How founded do you think the frustrations are for Kentucky basketball fans right now? I mean, it, are, are they right to be fed up with John Calipari at this point? Of course, um, you know, it's been since 2015 since Cal has gone to the final four, I believe it's been now uh, lost in the, in the first round as a two seed last year to St. Peter's. And then, you know, they've really just been okay this year. I, I think they've, they've underperformed certainly to expectations. Now they still got, you know, a couple, couple stars on that team led by Oscar Shibway, who, Maybe this tournament will bring out the best in them. Shibuya is kind of a double-double machine. Antonio Reeves can really shoot it at the perimeter. Maybe maybe Kentucky can get hot here. I mean, they're they're playing one of the last four in, an 11-seeded Providence out of the gates. Likely will get Kansas State a three-seed in round two. I don't think Kansas State's one of the best three-seeds. And then that would put them potentially on course with Marquette in a Sweet 16 game. But you know, John Calipari is the highest-paid coach in the nation salary of over $8 million. Um, how, I guess, how reasonable is it for, for Kentucky fans to be frustrated with a guy who's, you know, ultimately been very successful throughout the course of his career, but it's been several seasons now since John Calipari has gone uh, on what Kentucky fans would consider a deep run in March madness. Why wouldn't Kentucky fans be fed up? The reason John Calipari got all that money to come to Kentucky is because Kentucky fans care so much about basketball and they didn't hire him uh, to make the NCAA tournament 
or to win the SEC tournament or to make a compete for the SEC championship. They hired him to win national championship. I can go. I remember many years ago, uh, you know, covering the SEC when Joe B. Hall, who had the unfortunate situation of succeeding Adolph Rupp, a legendary coach in college basketball. I mean, fans were all over him for not winning a national championship. Getting to the Final Four wasn't that big a deal. You're supposed to be in the Final Four. Uh, No, I mean, John Calipari doesn't get a free pass just because he's had a great career. He's being paid $8 million a year. And you, I didn't realize it had been that long. It's been eight years. Yeah, 20, 2015 was the was most it? recent Final Four. One, one national championship in 2012, but in terms of just a Final Four run, 2015 was the last one. Now, you know, there's been a conference championship since then. There's been a conference tournament title that's since nothing. then, but... You know, Kentucky. as you said, that that's not what you're paying him for to to hang regular season SEC championship banners in in the rafters. They they even hang those at Rupp. I don't know. Uh, I mean, they hang they hang national championship banners at Rupp They're, Arena, right? Yeah, those are in a broom closet. Those SEC titles. Uh, it, here's the thing about it: it this one and done thing that John Calipari perfected it at the outset. He brings in this class of superstars, and they all go to the NCAA. I'll, I'll go to the NBA in a year or two uh, if they're really that good. I think fans really got caught up in that because you know how fa- Kentucky fans are about basketball recruiting the way most SEC schools fans are about football recruiting. They uh, they swoon at the thought of having a number one ranked class. They just get so caught up in it and being in the running for all these five stars and landing their share of them. But really, if you look back on this, it hasn't worked. I mean, if you hadn't been to a Final Four in eight years, it hasn't worked. If you've got your choice of the best players in the country, you got your pick, and you know the Final Four in eight years is something – something amiss with this system. And uh, I think fans now are no longer enamored as they once were with having that number one or number two ranked class because what have they got to show for it? So they've kind of lost interest in that. And I think fans are really weary of all this stuff. You think fans are weary of Rick Barnes at Tennessee, John? I mean, for the longest time, Rick Barnes, I thought – had Vols fans kind of eating out of the palm of his hand. I mean, his his 2019 team was ranked number one in the nation at one time. That was his best team at Tennessee, went to the Sweet 16 that year, and then received the overture from UCLA. I mean, that was more than just a, a mild flirtation. That was serious talks, and, and Rick Barnes said, you know, in the aftermath of that, he, he gave serious thought to going to UCLA, and really it was the buyout that tripped up that deal or he could have been out the door and, and Tennessee kept him. He got a raise to say a, a substantial raise. He's got subsequent raises and now he ranks in the top five nationally in terms of salaries. But as I said, his deepest run since, since starting at Tennessee in the 2015, 16 season. So he's been here the better part of a decade now 
His deepest run is just the one Sweet 16 appearance in 2019. And overall in the NCAA tournament, Rick Barnes is one game under 500. And I and, and you've noticed in the last year or two, I think, more frustrations within the Tennessee fan base. How much are you feeling that, of course, as the senior columnist for the Knoxville News Sentinel? Um, I think it's uh, there's a um, a growing sense of disappointment, um, and I think there's a there's pessimism among the fan base going into the tournament. Why wouldn't there be? Keep in mind that Tennessee has a long history of NCAA tournament failures. Tennessee's never been to the Final Four, ever. So, I mean, there are a lot of SEC teams that have been to the Final Four. Tennessee isn't one of them, even though it has a huge following, ranks among the attendance leaders every year, and uh, has had a lot of good teams but it doesn't show up in the NCAA tournament. Bruce Pearl came tantalizingly close when he was here, uh, losing out on a shot, I think it was to Michigan State, in the final seconds in the Elite Eight. But that's Tennessee has only one Elite Eight performance. Here's the thing. You you mentioned it. When, when Rick Barnes said that about the UCLA job, if Tennessee hadn't paid him more money, he would have been gone. He's a very savvy coach and very good with, with public relations. I was puzzled that he would say that. He just shouldn't have said anything. He just, I'm grateful to get a raise, and I considered the UCLA job and leave it at that. But he said he was gone. That alienated fans. Alienated yeah, he, he, he pretty much admitted the only reason he stayed was because yeah, of money. just the money. So yeah. they sense uh, a lack of loyalty there, and now you couple that with the failure in the NCAA tournament. And I go back to last season when Tennessee bowed out. I thought it was a Final Four team last year after it just roared through the uh, SEC tournament and won the championship. Uh, bows out in the second round to Michigan, an 11 seed, really an underachieving team, a team with some with some talent, but still a team Tennessee should have beaten. And afterwards, Rick Barnes, I, I remember, pointed out the failure of his team's post-play. I think fans see him as a coach who doesn't take any responsibility and blames others for the team's shortcomings. Uh, and so that sometimes can rub people the wrong way. You have two sides here. One group of fans probably thinks if we pay that much money, we can find us a coach who can get who can take us farther in the NCAA tournament. And others say, be careful what you wish for. Look at our history. Donnie Tindall didn't work out well. I'm being kind there. Conzo Martin went to one tournament. That's it. Had a nice run in one tournament, but he didn't accomplish much. Bruce Pearl had a great run, but it ended in, in an NCA probation. Uh, but then before that, it's just been an up and down thing. So I don't know that Tennessee fans are really confident that Tennessee could hire a great basketball coach. But again, others say, well, if you're paying $5 million, you probably can get a pretty good coach. Yeah, it's really the salary, I think, that, that makes Rick Barnes' shortcomings stand out. If you're paying him $3.5 million and he's he's down there around the number 20th paid coach in the nation, I think you say, well, hey, as, as you were pointing out, what's Tennessee's history in basketball? They've never been to a Final Four. This guy wins 
um, in a lot of games every year. He gets Tennessee into the tournament every year. It's, it's after he got those big raises and pushed him into the top five in salary that makes it look so out of place. He's getting paid like a top five coach in the country. Certainly in the NCAA tournament, he doesn't perform anywhere close to being a top five coach in the country. Maybe they, maybe John Calipari and Rick Barnes ought to, ought to pull the Jim Harbaugh move. Remember when he was struggling at Michigan? John, he said, well, I'll take a pay cut. You know, don't fire me. I'll, I'll take a pay cut and do a solid here uh, for the Wolverines, my alma mater. And uh, then he rattles off two college football playoff seasons and gets his salary back to <laughs> what it was before. But he, he, he reclaimed some goodwill by taking a pay cut and saying, yeah, I haven't been performing up to the up to the standard here. Don't let me go, but I'm going to take a reduction in salary until I get this thing rolling again. I think in a lot of ways, Jim Harbaugh, uh, you know, he it's hard to pigeonhole him. He does the unexpected. He's not your typical coach. His personality is different. Uh, but I give him credit for that. Out of 100 coaches, how, how, take 100 more coaches, football, basketball, how many of them do you think would voluntarily take a pay cut? Zero. <laughs> I think the he, other he, hundred, the other hundred would say, uh, if you don't like the way I'm coaching, there's a massive buyout for getting rid of me. Cut the check, and we'll go our I separate th- ways. I, I think uh, Harbaugh. I think that was a one in a million move. Have you filled out your bracket yet, John? As as we record this on a Tuesday morning, of course, you know how it goes. You end up filling. Now, five or six different brackets if you think about this too hard. But my my gut reaction, final four, was Alabama out of the south, Purdue out of the east, although I don't feel a ton of conviction in that given some of Purdue's shortcomings in the NCAA tournament historically. And then I'm all Big 12 on the other side. I have Texas as a two-seed going to the final four, and I have Kansas in the final four. As well, so that's three one seeds and a two seed. Uh, I, I think I'm probably valuing the ones too much there. I'm I'm worried about Purdue maybe being vulnerable in a region that includes fifth seeded Duke, red hot Duke, in a potential Sweet 16 game. But Purdue's got one of the best players in the country in Zach Eady. I mean, you just watch that Big Ten championship. They just against Penn State. Purdue just fed it to him in the post over and over and over, scored 30-plus points, but it's a guards tournament usually in March, and so that does give me some pause about Purdue. How about you? Do you you have your final four squared away? Um, I don't know that it's squared away. Um, I'm really ambivalent about Purdue, and not just just because what you say about guard play. It's more about that history. I mean, I, I covered the, NCAA, the whole NCAA tournament for a lot of years, and Purdue was one of those teams I looked to underachieve. And the coaches came and went, different coaches, uh, different players, but I usually counted on – a lot of that was under Gene Cady, and I usually counted on it floundering in the NCAA tournament. So I would have a hard time picking – I would have a hard time picking Purdue. Uh, I would – right off the bat, I would eliminate Kansas – because it won the tournament last year. I think the odds of that much going right for you in back-to-back tournaments just won't happen. I really liked UCLA. And then they UCLA lost its point guard. 
So I would probably go with Gonzaga in the West. Okay. I, uh, I, I gave that a lot of consideration. If I didn't take Kansas, I was going Gonzaga over UCLA. So that's my number two team there. But you know, Faith in the Zags. All right. That, you got one Final Four team. Then I've heard some teams that won't make it. What else do you have? Can I, I tell you what. Let me just list all the teams that won't make it. Okay. <laughs> I think I'd be pretty good. I'd be pretty good at that. Uh-huh. Uh, so I go to the East, and this is a real puzzling region for me. You mentioned it earlier. Kansas State to me is a week three seed. Uh, Tennessee, maybe if it had a better history, you could say that it's well slotted in that four seed, but. I don't see Tennessee getting past Duke. So I think uh, I think I, when I look at that region, I don't know enough about Marquette, and I just know about Duke. So I think I would pick Duke. All right, so you have Duke and Gonzaga uh-huh. so far. How about the top half of the bracket? You showing any SEC love in Alabama up there in the top left corner in the south? Yes, I, I definitely have Alabama. Although I'm I'm really high on Arizona. I mean, if Arizona won, uh, if those teams meet in the championship game, and I think that's there's a that's a likelihood. I could see I could see Arizona winning that, but I, I'll still pick Alabama. I don't want to totally abandon the SEC. And then in the Midwest, I guess I've got to go with uh, Texas because. Marcus Sasser, Houston's best player, has got an injured groin. I, we saw what they did without him against Memphis in the championship game. Texas played a tough schedule. It's in the toughest conference. Uh, yeah, I like Texas. Would Duke on the five seed, you you have them mm-hmm. as one of your final four teams, would they be about the, the highest seeded team you'd be comfortable taking? to the final four. Is there anybody on that six line, Creighton, Kentucky, Iowa state, TCU, any, anybody? Cause I, cause I think this is going to be a wild and woolly tournament. We've, oh. we've said, and so many pundits have, have agreed that, you know, it's maybe not as clear cut strong at the top as in some years. So I, I think they're, the stage is set for a lot of upsets, but when I look past that five line, nobody really jumps out to me as being final four caliber from six and below but but blake think how many tournaments and how many brackets you filled out and how many times you said well i don't see anybody below that line true you can make the fun and how many of those teams did i mean let's face it you never see a lot of these cinderella stories developing they just kind of come out of nowhere that's why they're cinderella stories uh and oftentimes any team when i see when they do the drawing and then the analysts all chime in on who who they like his dark horse picks. I usually discount all those picks because the dark, the true dark horses are the ones that are so dark nobody sees them. If I were going to pick a team, I guess I would go with uh, what is TCU seated? They're seated sixth. sixth. Yep, I'd pick TCU. Mm-hmm. That would be my pick if I if I were going down that that low in the seating. All right, John, let's let's close with some rapid fire mode uh-huh. here. I want to run through the eight SEC teams, and mm-hmm. you're going to tell me okay. how far you have them going in the tournament. And then I'll 
I'll I'll respond with my answer as well. But uh, you know, you're the, you're the veteran mind here, so I want you bat and lead off, and then I can just copy off of off of your <laughs> off of your answers. You've been covering the tournament since since it started. Yes, but but veteran minds that that sounds a little like senility, doesn't it? You interpret it how, as you will. Okay. All right. All right. Let's start. Uh, you want to start at the bottom or start at the top? Well, I don't know bottom or top. Let what what region do you want to start with? Um, do do how do you well, want to do? I'll, I'll overlook somebody if I go through okay. go through region. <laughs> okay. <laughs> let's Just, start with some of the lower seeds. Some uh, okay. of the lower seeds. Chris Jans, uh, first year coach at Mississippi State, got the Bulldogs in the tournament. They'll be in a play in game against Pitt. They're on. They're they're among the last four teams in. They're both on the eleven seed line. Do you have Mississippi State winning the play-in game? How far do you have them going for the time? Uh, for the Ted, was said Tom Cruise for the Ted Cruz look-alike. Chris Jans, you ever notice he's kind of a doppelganger for the Senator yeah. Ted Cruz? I, I would. Um, I will go with Mississippi State uh, winning the play-in game. Just out of respect for the SEC. All right, you've uh, got them winning the play-in game. I have them losing to Pitt in the play-in game. They play Mississippi State plays really tough defense. Don't really shoot it very well. Pitt does shoot it well, so uh, I like teams that can shoot in March. Uh, all right, let's let's move up a notch, and I'll try not to overlook anyone here. Uh, how about Auburn in an eight-nine game against Iowa? To open up, Auburn's on the nine seed line. Iowa's the eight. How far do you have Auburn going? I have Auburn going nowhere, going as far as Mississippi State losing in the in the first round. All right, I agree. We're in lockstep on that one. I'll take Iowa to win that game. We'll stick on the uh, the eight nine line. Arkansas, an eight seed, has Illinois, the nine seed in the first round. Arkansas, their coach Eric Musselman, has been to five NCAA tournaments. He's made it to the Sweet 16 three times. Uh, that includes two Elite Eights at Arkansas and a Sweet 16 at Nevada. Arkansas got their, their young freshman guard, Smith, back in the lineup recently. Hasn't helped him in terms of record. I think it gives him more scoring punch, but hasn't really helped him in the win-loss column. But I guess that's a, a point in their favor getting him back. How far do you have Arkansas going? Yeah, I mean, people talk about Nick Smith is always LeBron James. Every game I watch is, oh, Nick Smith is back. Oh, my goodness, how will anybody beat this team? And then they do. Well, Arkansas, I think, will beat Illinois, and then that's pretty much the end of the line. Yeah, they'd have to play Kansas, Kansas. In, in round two. Mm-hmm. Um, I already said I like Kansas to the final four. So, yes, I'll, I'll take Arkansas to beat Illinois and lose in the second round. As well. All right, we move up to the seven seed line. And as I mentioned, Texas AM didn't get much love for finishing second place in this deep conference. They'll play Penn State in a 7 10 game in round one. How far do you have the Aggies going? Well, that that's a tough draw, but I think Texas, I think Texas AM will win that game. Uh I think Texas AM will go all the way to the uh, Sweet 16. Oh, you have them winning two? Yes, I do. And Wait then, a second. Uh, Didn't you have Texas in the final four? Yes. Well, they'd play Texas in round two. Oh, Tripped you up on your bracket Oh, there. that's right. <laughs> oh, I didn't know we were going to do it that way, where you're just going to recall things I'd said earlier. Uh-huh. Oh, 
Okay, well, then they won't go that far. They're well, losing well, a hard-fought game to set Texas well, in the no, second round. Well, no, I said they'll go to the Sweet 16. They don't have to play Texas until the Sweet 16, do they? They'd play them in the second round, in a 2-7 game in the second round. Oh, oh, yeah. Okay, well, they're they're going to win. Their, I'm, I'm really keen on A&M winning that first game. Uh-huh. And after that, who knows? <laughs> who knows it, anything that. can happen in the tournament. So win the first game, and then we'll see what happens. Yeah, anything can happen except yeah, sure. except they end up going to the Sweet Sixteen <laughs> to, and Texas. Well, see, I'm I'm not looking at a bracket here. I I wrote these things down in a notebook yesterday in real time, so that's what I'm I'm going by, and I, I kind of messed up. Okay, all right. I like I like Penn State. Uh, they they got okay. a trio of guys that can pour in the points from the perimeter, and Jalen Pickett, Seth Lundy, and Andrew Funk. They're pretty hot at the end of the year. I like watching that team. So uh, I'll, I'll take Penn state with the first round upset in that seven ten game team that you love, John, your Mizzou tigers on the seven C line against one of the best outside shooting teams in the country, Utah state. How far do you have Missouri going? Now I should warn you if Missouri beats Utah state in round one, that would mean they play Arizona in round two. Yeah. I was checking that. I was quickly checking that. So, no, I think Missouri will win that first game, and I think it will come surprisingly close to Arizona. What would you say the betting line on that would be? I'd say about eight points. That sounds about right. Yeah. I'll say say Arizona by six. Okay, so Missouri goes to the second round, but they cover the spread. Yes. <laughs> they cover the all-important spread I, well, in round I've two. Well, since I've pumped up Missouri so much, I, I don't want to just abandon it to completely. You know, losing a second-round game doesn't sound like it's done much, but playing Arizona is a tough chore for anyone. Yeah, I mean, really, the SEC got few favors in seeding yeah. here. Got uh-huh. a lot of teams in, but didn't get many favors in in seeding. I have Missouri losing in the second round as well. They'll get their first NCAA tournament win since 2010. Uh, but just to be different, I'll say Arizona will cover the betting spread <laughs> against the Tigers in round two. Uh, Kentucky on the six seed line. John, I already mentioned they'll open up against Providence in the first round with a potential second round game against Kansas State. How far do you have Kentucky going? See, I, I think of Kansas State as being overrated at three. Mm-hmm. But I would agree. But that's that's a pretty good conference, and uh, I don't have a lot of confidence in Kentucky. So I'll have Kentucky losing to Kansas State in the second round. All right. So they beat Providence and lose mm-hmm. losing the second round. I'll, I'll have them winning two. I don't know if that says a ton about my confidence in Kentucky. I think it's more speaks to my lack of confidence in Kansas State. Moving up to the four seed line, Tennessee opens with Louisiana, the raging Cajun Sunbelt champions. Best post player in this game, John, will be from Louisiana, Jordan Brown. Really good post player for UL. They shoot it better from the perimeter. In Tennessee, we heard the CBS pundits, Seth Davis and Clark Kellogg, said Tennessee's vulnerable to a first-round upset. 
Do you agree? Are they bowing out in round one? Well, as soon as I heard that, I immediately decided that Tennessee would win in a blowout in its first game. Do they go any farther? No, you've already said you like Duke. No, no, I like Duke. Um, Tell me about, you saw, didn't you see Louisiana in the Sun Belt? I did see a couple games of that tournament. Yeah, like I said, uh, they got a good post player. Jordan Brown, I believe he's a, a transfer. I think he started his career out west somewhere, maybe. Yes. Don't don't force uh, me to say where, but he was no, he was out I'm west trying. somewhere. He transferred. Pretty good. They they got some guys that can shoot it. My favorite part about the that tournament though was the championship game where the clock was winding down. Louisiana was up by five points. Final shot at the at the buzzer. Their opponent, I believe, is South Alabama, maybe. Mm-hmm. Put up like a three-quarter court shot. Didn't matter if it went in or not. It was a five-point lead. Didn't affect the outcome. But uh, there was a confetti cannon behind the basket that was ready to shoot off when that game went final. And and whoever was operating that confetti cannon fired it off a little early. So as the as South Alabama's final shot was soaring through the air, the shot would have counted had it gone in. They got the shot off in time. It, it was the ball was flying through confetti toward the rim and. Shot didn't go in, but that would have been some real controversy if that was a three-point game or two-point game, and that shot could have decided the outcome, and the ball had to fly through the confetti floating in the air that had been shot off too soon to celebrate the Raging Cajuns winning the Sun Belt. Just a, just a little uh, trigger happy there on the confetti gun. Quick trigger on the confetti cannon, yeah. <laughs> All right, and that leaves, John, uh, Alabama on the one seed line, the overall number one seed i know you like them to the final four i have them bowing out in the final four i guess i'm putting a lot of faith in those purdue boilermakers whom you are particularly wary of i know you have them in the final four as well do you have them going any further than that yeah i would have i I think alabama won the national championship and i didn't think that before the sec tournament i wasn't even sure it'd make the final four but the way it played in that tournament and it's off the field issues are, are, are well documented, and this will continue to follow them throughout the tournament. The tragic loss of life involving, in which a former Alabama player has been accused of uh, of murder, and we know Brandon Miller's had a had a role in that somewhat, in that he was driving the car that had the weapon in it to kill the woman. So anyway, he was never charged charged with anything. But there's just been so much uh, talk about it, so much media. And Alabama didn't help things by just handling the whole matter abysmally. So, uh, but I think this has really brought that team closer together. You know how teams love it's us against the world. And I think that's Alabama's mantra right now. And I really think that could be, in a perverse way, the uh, sort of the ins- extra incentive to fuel its run to the national championship game. Because I don't think, I mean, Brandon Miller's the best player but in the country maybe, but he's not the only really good player on that team. And what's impressed me about Alabama so much is I thought of it as living and dying with the three-pointer a little too much before the season started. But having it watched it more through this season – I see a team that can win with defense and a team that can get to the basket. 
it's it's going to be a chore. It's going to be really difficult beating Alabama. So all told, John, you have Alabama cutting down the nets. You have a, a strong SEC presence in the second round of this tournament, but Alabama is the only team from the SEC you have in the Sweet 16, whereas I have two SEC teams in the Sweet 16. Without much conviction, I've got Kentucky in the Sweet 16, and I have Alabama going to the Final Four. So either way, I think we see this this deep field of qualifiers for the SEC fading out pretty quickly and, and not being around for the second weekend. For the most part, but Alabama, we both believe, is, is poised to go on a deep run in, in this tournament. Yeah, and, and I guess you're not giving me credit for putting Texas A&M in the sweet stick, Steen is ha- because no, I know the there's, NCAA there's for, only room for one school. From, yeah, from you, Texas you, in a. the same region, you can't have but you can't have three sweet sixteen teams. So that's unfortunate. Yeah, I, there will be no more pop quizzes on the bracket next week, John. That, that's that's my vow. Whoa, to you. We'll we'll go back what to being is- SEC football unfiltered next week. But for now. Uh, All eyes on March Madness. Enjoy the games and don't lose too much money gambling out there. Thanks for listening to this edition of SEC Football Unfiltered.